0: It's time for another episode of Queen Tone Queen Tone Queen Tone, Queen Tone So how are you feeling this week? New month?
1: Uh, It's November, is today November 1st? Yes, today is November yeah. 1st um, I don't know how we got to November I'm just shocked in awe, honestly um, That we've made it to November But here we are, the year's almost over And what is time? I mean, we say this literally every week. What
0: is time? Yeah, what is time? Girl, last night for Halloween, I put up my Christmas tree. Um... I know. (laughs) I just want the callers to
1: know that I saw that Dana put up her Christmas tree. And I immediately called her because I was like, what? In the world. But I guess, you know what? Honestly, with the year that we've had, skipping to Christmas is yeah. not such a bad what, idea. Because what is time? So after talking to her for five seconds, I was like, you know what?
0: I support it. It was, it, And I, I was inspired by that meme that was like, um, it's Halloween night. I might get drunk and put up the Christmas tree. I didn't get drunk, yeah. but I definitely turned on some Christmas music, put my tree up, put my <laughs> lights up. And it was just a very, like, joyous night. Um, and then I watched that new... Um, craft movie the the legacy oh did you see it i watched it too what did you think um so i i'm not as big of a craft fan as as you are i know you're a big for the original huge craft um yeah but i like it seemed very gen z very um woke for lack of a better term Uh, (laughs) but like i feel like some of the some of the story Like I didn't get where the stepdad fit in. Like I wish, I feel like they didn't give him enough of a backstory, Um, right? For him to be that important
1: towards the end, or even why the why they were moving.
0: Like I know I could infer that the mother and him were getting together. Yeah, but like. Where did they move from? It was some of the They didn't put enough
1: back information. It was a lot of loop. You know, what I will say is that I really did love the four actresses who played the leads. Um, special sh- shout out to um, Lovey Simone, who I love from... Greenlee? Greenleaf? Greenleaf. Yes, yes, Yeah. Did you know she's 21? Really? I mean, she's she's like she's been playing a teen as long as I've seen her on yeah. TV, which has not been long, but apparently she's 21. Yeah um and another shout out to the actress uh zoe luna who played what was her character's name um she her name was lordis in the movie and she's a trans actress and i really loved how they oh, yeah. i mean like they alluded to it a little like in little lines like when the main girl got her period yeah. and um she said something to the fact of like I I don't like, I don't have one, but I understand, like, it's hard, you know, something like that. And I love that they didn't center her transness as like a character arc, but she was just, you know, matter of factly, yeah. Yeah. So I love that. Um, I thought. Overall it was okay, but I, I love the original. Mm-hmm. Um would love to see a second one, maybe. Like this I could see if this was a build up to them doing another movie, sure, it should have been a series.
0: Yeah, this also seems a lot more lighthearted than the original.
1: Oh yeah. Because it absolutely. seemed like
0: their magic and the original like yeah, I feel like bad shit kept happening to them. Um I mean, I haven't seen the original in years. Um, but yeah, it was, it was Girl, good. It was a good, it was a good.
1: I drafted, I dressed up as the craft last Halloween. Oh yeah, you gotta share um,
0: that. Sh- that was a good.
1: <laughs> back when, yeah, back when outside was open. Right. Now for a lot of y'all outside is open right now. Because Girl, I saw a lot of y'all at parties with look, no fucking mask. When I mean no mask. Just raw, dog in air, raw
0: dogging the air. Raw dogging the air. and meeting strange. I'm like, is it me? Is it me? <laughs> <laughs> like it's us why am i just sitting in the the fucking house for eight months and everybody else is just out like i at least once a day i'm like is it not real like am i is it me is it is it me
1: (laughs) it's us it's us is it everybody else is on crack is it crack is that what everybody else is on anyway i don't know covid cases keep going up Thanksgiving's canceled, Christmas canceled, the rest of the year is canceled as far as I'm concerned. Cause I just don't want it. Another thing that brought in this will transition us into our queen shit moment. Beyonce on the cover of British Vogue. And I know some of y'all zoomed in on that picture. If you know what I'm talking about, you know what I'm talking about. If you don't, you don't. But Beyonce graced us with an interview of all things. Yes. Like she she does not do interviews anymore. She actually did a fucking interview. And she also told us that she's done with us and she's going to embrace joy instead of (laughs) trying to give us joy. She's going to concentrate on her own. So that was kind of sad.
0: (laughs) But when it was and one of the responses, I think, when she said she was taking time for herself, when she actually listed out like how she between doing Coachella, having twin, like listed all the stuff that she was doing back to back to back. I was like, that's a lot. Yeah, that's a lot. Um, go ahead and rest. Um, maybe while she's resting, Rihanna could slide us album. Uh every Re- <laughs> let's not even get on Rihanna Rihanna does ifs. if it's not panties she-
1: or motherfucking concealer she like, don't give I'm a get, fuck she and I don't give blame you a her
0: and that's it
1: <laughs> that's it Fucking like single and, and, and the girls are on Instagram pushing they came to her so they are pushing Savage Fenty okay Ke- Kehlani has several yes. pictures I'm not hating because she looks amazing but the girls are on, on the gram pushing Fenty, okay, for the holidays. Yes. If y'all don't get, get y'all bralette sets, you know, this winter, he don't care about yeah. you. I'm just saying. So um, let's jump into queen shit because we were talking about Beyonce and of course from Beyonce we got to uh, Rihanna. But back to Beyonce so queen shit this week is going to go to to tabria majors i hope i'm saying her first name right um she's tabria majors on insta on instagram um she's actually a plus size model that i've been following for a while she has her own her own podcast that I don't listen to but I know it exists um and she did for Halloween she decided to recreate some of Beyonce's best videos and let me tell you a thick plus size girl in these Beyonce shots like the production yeah. I don't know how much plus size models make but she said she paid for everything on her own and called her in a few favors girl you did the damn it thing it was a re like fat girls are winning yeah
0: like it wasn't like a let me put some arts and crafts together make this work for a comedy this was like Mm-mm. oh let me do a double take is this vias no this is this is sabria um yeah, she yeah did that. no she did
1: the costumes matched so amazingly the shots like, the videography, she had dancers yeah. <laughs> she, right she she was on set honey she was she did the damn
0: thing she so made just, sure all her uh, no- shout out she to made her. sure all her notes were implemented uh
1: Absolutely. Right. <laughs> I'm not gonna keep giving you right. notes if they're not gonna be <laughs> I wanna Beyonce and that actually goes into our yes. topic this week. Beyonce. Um, <laughs> so let's let's Beyonce. <laughs> so let's get into our main topic. So this week we're gonna be talking about the complexities of being a black millennial woman in the working profession. Um, or in the in the workplace. So, you know, First, I want to get into, if you already don't know, kind of more about what me and Dana actually do for a living when we're not talking shit on mics um, once every every two weeks. So Dana, what do you do for a living?
0: It's all a mystery. Um, So I am a technical program manager at Spotify. Um, I recently joined and started this role in a new company um, in New City at the beginning of 2020. Um, And what I do as a technical program manager um, is I lead large-scale cross-functional initiatives across the company um, with the goal of increasing the productivity and the quality of of our data. Um, And so that's kind of across uh, Spotify on the internal side. So I'm not curating playlists and doing anything like that um, yet. Who knows? Maybe I'll, I'll dabble into that a little bit. Um, so I work uh, to ensure that the data that we use that essentially powers Spotify and kind of collects the data of the the consumers, so you as a user, um, making sure that that data is clean, it's of quality, and that it can actually be used for us on our end to improve the app and better understand um, our algorithms and our users and how they navigate between being on the computer versus the iPhone versus or Android, or um, versus like which are smart TVs um, and things like that. So I collaborate heavily with um, engineering managers, data scientists. Uh, data engineers product managers I dabble in a little bit of the work that they do um, so I kind of have a lot of different skills for what I need to do um, to make sure that the work is done and I understand the work that they do um, and just kind of bring it all together so basically if you're if you're a Spotify user if you're familiar with the Wrapped campaign at the end of the year where they show you like your most played songs the artists you like the genre how many hours you spent listening to music all year blah 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 I'm at the very beginning of that process, making sure that all that data that we've been collecting from you um, is able to um, be disseminated into those different um, metrics about your use. Um, And so that's what I do now. And prior to that, I was in um, Microsoft, I worked um, within the supply chain space. And basically supply chain is um, making sure that your product or whatever you want is at the right place at the right time and it's what you want. Um, so I worked in supply chain specifically um, within the the products for the Surface laptops um, and then Xbox. And I was the material planner for Xbox, so I bought all the um, consigned parts for Xbox. Um, and because of the lead times on the parts, the new Xbox, I also started uh, buying those parts. Um, and so, essentially, if you have bought an Xbox in the last year and a half, or even this holiday, if you buy one, um, you're welcome because I bought those parts to make sure that they uh, make sure that they got to the stores on time for Black Friday, um, Christmas, Cyber Monday, all of those holiday times. Um, and then before that. I was a uh, technical consultant at Accenture um, dealing with, the, I did a lot of systems integrations pro- projects, um, a lot of work with financial clients, which is random, but I worked with a lot of banks, insurance companies, mortgage companies, things like that, on improving their uh, technology um, and like helping power um, their apps and how they do processes and how they um improve like their technologies and how they process and everything all like that um i loved the traveling for that the perks of that i wouldn't do it again um, but it was definitely great um experience um and i think too because of the because of my like undergrad degree it kind of gave me a lot of skills um basically I can solve any problem, optimize anything, and make anything more efficient. So that's why, I kind of, regardless of what I'm doing, whether I'm in supply chain or whether I'm working with data or doing whatever, like having that mindset to optimize, improve, make things efficient, do things the logical way, all that type of stuff. Which, if you know me, that's literally how I operate and what I do, any like do to begin with. Um, and so it works. Uh, and I fell into all of this. Uh, my background is in. Um industrial engineering so I have a engineering degree from University of Michigan and then I have a master's degree in engineering management um, from Duke University. Um, and so those kind of again allowed me to basically solve problems and then work with engineers to be able to manage them to to help them uh, solve their problems um, and i've been I've been in tech for like the last four years I've been in the workforce um, for the last seven years or so, I think. Um, t- ten if you count internships in undergrad. Um, and I-, I like the, where I'm at now, because like I said before, a lot of the stuff that I was doing, um, I was just moving to it because I was good at it versus me actually enjoying it or actually being tied to something I was interested in. Um, and if you... Know me, or if you've around me for more than 20 minutes, then you'll know how passionate I am about music, the creation of music, the history of music, um, the, the charts, like current charts and things like that across all different genres. Um, of course, 90s R&; B is, 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 is the love of my life, um, but all genres. And so really it came to, if I'm basically solving problems and making things more efficient, I want to do that tied to music um and then you know now that tech is you know music is now tech it's not just in a creative space it's also in a tech space if you think of spotify apple music even tiktok with the music that um the songs that blow up because they're on tiktok which is then you know a platform so it's tech like all of that i already am interested in that and then you add the passion for music and then you add the technical background and knowledge um is i like this space um that I'm in now, as far as combining music, um, with tech and with a little bit of business, um, and then solving, um, very difficult problems. And I say very difficult because I make sure my salary matches the stress and the challenges of what I'm doing every day.
1: Mm -hmm. So, so you said this, but you, you think this is your dream job? Like this is this is what you've been. I would looking say for. that
0: this is like my dream lane versus not my dream job or dream role, but I feel like I'm in the space where I am now able to do or to discover um, my dream job or my dream career and like that trajectory of my career. Um, so I would say like I'm in I'm in a room where I've like I found uh so related to dating like I found where all the niggas at Mm -hmm. and now I just have my choice of what I want (laughs) where the niggas niggas at honey yes I just feel (laughs) like that's
1: just me I mean not literally asking where the niggas at but like that's just the energy I love like where the niggas at
0: (laughs) so yeah that's mine uh (laughs)
1: Well, I'm an urban planning, uh, urban planner by trade, right? My current position is being an assistant commissioner for the Chicago Department of Planning and Development, which just means I, I you know, I work in government. I have pretty much my entire career with a short eight stint in the in the private sector. <laughs> I, I went to the city of Chicago, left the city of Chicago, came back to the city of Chicago. Um before that, I worked for the city of Los Angeles planning department, so, you know, ever since I got out of grad school, I wanted, I'm i one of those people who went straight from undergrad to grad, right? So, undergrad, of course, y'all know this if you've listened to past episodes, me and Dana met in college, we both went to Michigan. My undergraduate degree is in African American Studies and Women's Studies because I wanted to get a degree in myself, apparently, according to my mother, Um, so I I mean, I've always been interested in history. I've always had an interest in like social movements. I've always been like a mini act. I would say an activist with a lowercase a because I'm, I'm not the type to like I'm not at every protest, like I'm not at the protest, I'm not in the front lines, but I've always been an activist in the work that I've done and advocating for people and advocating for systematic change, whether it be in, in you know, mentoring young girls. And I used to mentor in this program called Great to Be a Girl, um, where we, you know, taught young middle school age girls like about self-esteem and Uh, options for education and what they can do when they grow up and or doing um sibs like there was this program called sibs at michigan that i helped to bring back um where we were partnering with um first-year african-american black students first-year students you know to help them kind of get through freshman year so like those types of things like how do we get more opportunities out there to folks who may who may have a hard time systematically getting through this this education system and then one of my um, African-American studies uh, advisors, Catherine Weathers, <laughs> um, she was like, oh, do you want to like go to planning school? Like our program at Michigan, our master's program at Michigan is recruiting for diversity. And of course, you know, black woman. Um, and I had no idea what planning was. So I was like, oh, I guess like, let's Google it. We Google get in her office and the rest is literally history. I, you know, a few months later, I I ended up going to University of Southern California, getting my planning degree.
0: So, for the people who aren't aware, what exactly is urban planning? Because I know what the yeah, that's a good
1: question. Um, So, we control your life. (laughs) Like urban planning is literally just like the division of land and how 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 we are able to use that land as the public so like a lot of urban planners do work in the for a traditional urban planners you know quote unquote work in the public sector like every city has this thing called um police rule over land right every every municipality so they get to decide what's zoned for housing what's zoned for uh industrial what's zoned for commercial what's zoned for mixed use what's, what's going to be a park what's not going to be a park so there are people behind the scenes literally making those decisions and I'm one of those people. And so it's, it's not a profession that you would have ever grown up being like, Oh yeah, Dr. Lawyer urban planner. No. Um, but once you actually understand how land use perpetuates, um, like racism, white supremacy, anti-blackness. Because <laughs> you look at redlining, um, you look at house, like discri- housing discrimination, you look at neighborhoods that are park poor, or you look at neighborhoods that are food deserts. Like all of those come from policies of people who, like me, who've decided those things um, for a city or and help to kind of perpetuate somewhat harmful um, policies that create these inequities. And so when I saw coming from college, and I I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do after college with my African-American studies degree <laughs> and my woman's studies degree like what the fuck was I gonna do except for get a PhD I saw a career fair was like oh this is more technical I can actually like see wh- how I'm going to use the knowledge of I've acquired to actually physically change like I physically change the built environment like I can drive around Los Angeles and say I helped that get built I helped that get built I can drive around Chicago and say oh I helped that get built I helped that get built like to actually physically change your neighborhood for better. For some people, or for worse, from some people, right? It just depends on the circumstances.
0: Yeah, that's dope. I had no idea what urban planning was um, until you said you were going to to moving to California <laughs> to go. And like, do LA. what
1: the hell? You want to you want L A to do what?
0: Yeah, yeah. I, My my my, <laughs> I my association was like urban farming, like urban what it. You I know, know. Yeah.
1: Um, I mean, urban planners do a lot, right? Because we we there's lots of different factors. So there's like transportation planning. So like people who decide where do stoplights go right Mm -hmm. or where how many lanes are going to be on a freeway how fast are those lanes going to go right it's it's between a traffic engineer and a traffic planner make that happen Mm -hmm. right and then you have people who are in sustainability so like thinking about how do we make sure that what we're taking from the from the earth or you know from the environment we're actually putting back or how do we make things sustainable so saying like oh we should prioritize putting solar systems or green roofs on new buildings or you know these these factors that help to you know give back to the environment um, there's also urban designers so like if you don't want to necessarily become an architect but you're really in, uh, interested in the urban form like how cities look uh, you can you can get be in the design space and urban planning for me i'm more into land use and zoning, which is what I was talking about at first, which is literally this can. Li- if you have a lot of a plot of land, this is what can go there, this is how many bedrooms i mean not bedrooms but housing units can go there this is how tall it can look this is how big it can be um where the front door needs to go where the back door needs to go where the loading needs to go like i decide those types of things but in my current role since i'm an assistant commissioner now i am the assistant to the commissioner of the planning department so like the head person of the planning department and i'm like his chief of staff so like helping him make decisions helping him stay organized um so, yeah, I mean, it's and and the reason I actually look like, is this your dream job or is this your dream? You know, like you said, this is your dream space. I feel like I'm finally kind of like in my dream space because I've always I've never wanted to work for the government. But ever since I joined working for the government, I understand how important it is mm-hmm. <laughs> to have people like me at those tables in those conversations. Because if I wasn't there, those conversations would be scary as fuck.
0: Ooh, that's it. Um, yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> like the I'm, things that I'm not that, even in government. The but things I can, that are talked about behind yeah. the scenes. Yeah,
0: <laughs> the things. Yeah, yeah. That's. I feel like that could so, be yeah. a whole other episode of the things. It's like, man, if I wasn't here,
1: <laughs> <laughs> for real, we'd be fucked. Yes. Um, especially working in government is like so clearly it's political, but like now that I'm a senior manager in this planning department for the third largest city in the nation, used to work for the second third largest city in the nation. Like, it's. It's like, I love what I do. I love that I get to help shape the lives of other people um, in ways that I think are equitable and ways that I think haven't been talked about or done before. Um, So, I mean, and part of the reason I wanted to even choose this topic is because most of, I've I've mentioned this before, but I just started this job. I'm about six weeks into this job now. Um, And this week when I was in the office, um, my So my boss's equivalent in another department is a woman. And she was like, oh, Nina, like, can I talk to you for a second? So I was like, oh, you know, sure. I, I'm so nerdy. I brought like, you know, a pen and piece of paper thinking she was like going to tell me something or say, hey, can you follow up on this? Or I need I have a question about blah, blah, blah and so she's like oh no like this isn't anything having to do with work just wanted to pull you aside because as you've come back I've heard you explain your job as like being your boss's shadow right quote unquote that's probably like an informal thing I was saying you know as I was being reintroduced because I worked there before Mm -hmm. Um, and so just saying oh you know I'm going to be insert boss's name um, shadow and I'm you know I'm going to be his chief of staff and blah, blah. And she was like, you know, I just, I, I want you to know you're an assistant commissioner. Like you're nobody's shadow. Like you, mm-hmm. you deserve to be here just like everybody else. You're a manager. Um, and I think that you don't, I, I don't think you should describe your role in this department as his, as his shadow. Yeah. And it wasn't until then. that I even realized that I was saying it. I mean, you know, cause you just kind of first I'm young, mm-hmm. one of the youngest, the only black woman in management in my department um, and I left and came back which was a flex <laughs> a story I can't explain on air but just a flex right so it's like for me a lot of politics of like the same people I was answering to the first 8 months ago when I worked in this department are now my colleagues like I'm asking them to do things on, on, on to for me or on On behalf of my boss people that I (laughs) used to answer to literally right (laughs) so it was so interesting for her to bring that up and she was just like I'm pulling you to the side because I feel like you need to hear this and this is funny because she said that somebody did it to her her first week in that role Mm -hmm. like being you know the leader of this department for the city of Chicago Um, and her as a woman shrinking herself in her role and so she was like i just wanted i felt like a responsibility to pass this on to you to say you need to own it live it like you i'm so she was like i'm so glad you're back you deserve to be here and i was like damn okay shit. Yeah. let me get my shit together yeah um so that's one of the reasons i was like oh dana let's talk about this let's talk like about the complexities of being a black millennial woman in the workspace because i feel like in 2020, there's so many conversations going on about, do you wear your natural hair? Like, how, you know, liberal can we be in our positions? Um, Bring your you know, authentic like shrinking, self to work. Yeah. Right, bringing your authentic self and... Yeah, all, all those different things. And I always get asked for advice or, you know, I get literally I have an email in my box right now. that's like, oh, can I pick your brain? Oh, my goodness. I don't have a, I don't have
0: a brain left. OK.
1: And
0: it's like, yeah, I and I don't want to say no, especially I get hit up a lot um, on LinkedIn uh, from students or like more early in career um, students of color or, you know, young and career of color, especially, um, a lot of them are black. It's like, I don't want to say no, because I was in that position, not that long ago of just trying to get like some type of direction. Um, so I try to say yes, but it's, it's a lot of it's a lot of brain yeah. a lot of brain I, I definitely
1: prioritize any of the black women who ask me definitely oh yeah definitely but as somebody who's getting more busy and getting higher up it becomes harder and harder but i mean any, if you ask anybody in my life they already know i'm the person that's always like i don't want to be the only one so i'm gonna uplift whoever yep. i can literally like any black woman that comes to me for any or uh, honestly black person i get them interviews i've gotten them connections yeah. like oh you want to do this let me let me make this email introduction um so i figured we could just spend this podcast a little bit of time just talking about our journeys in our careers i mean they are very different um and just kind of like just spending some game like helping some people out so that i can um tell them to, when they ask me to pick my brain, just send a link to this episode. (laughs) Episode three. um. Episode three. um, And then if you have follow-up questions, let me know.
0: (laughs) Send us an email. (laughs) Uh,
1: So my first question is kind of like, I mean, clearly you've accomplished a lot and we're both 30. Um, And for some people that would be like, damn, like you bossing as hell to be this early in your career. What do you think your secret sauce is to getting where you are right now?
0: That's a good question. Um, I think my secret sauce is probably I'm a very purpose-driven person, so or goal-oriented. So I have to be going towards something, um, and I th- I think that's at least how I see myself. That's greatly tied to like I have a very strong work at work ethic. So like you can't outwork me. There is no way that you can outwork me, especially if it's something that I want. Um, so on that front, like I will outwork. I will make sure that I can outthink, that I can be two steps ahead of anything of what I'm doing because um, I'm constantly like competing with myself. Um, and so I think that is regardless of what that purpose is or what that goal is, I'm going to obtain it. Um, I think about I I wrote down like my um in my freshman year in undergrad, I wrote down I wanted to be a DOSA, I wanted to graduate with a 3.0 or higher, and I wanted to live in Chicago, and I wanted to work for Accenture. Um, and now I have lived in Chicago, I have worked in uh, Chicago, I have worked for Accenture, I graduated with a 3.0 or higher, and oop, I'm a DOSA. Um, so, like, any, any, like, thinking like that or in that same vein of, like, work ethic, um, I think DRIVE. Uh, goes into that Um, and then the drive of wanting something of setting a goal and going after and making sure you know like making it happen um, is definitely at least for me in everything that I've ever wanted as far as career-wise or even career moves has definitely been being able to outwork and being focused on something and going after it Um, and then I will also say too like my network is so important, similar to how you were saying. Um, I was in undergrad, grad school. Even now, I was heavily involved in the National Society of Black Engineers, or NSBE, um, which was <laughs> my my NSBE folks made sure I graduated, that we graduated. Um, Actually, every single job that I've gotten has been from some form of engineering or tech convention um, where I was able to network with people beforehand, whether it was on LinkedIn or through my own network with other folks um, or even like and then being in those spaces and then being able to um, get in front of someone's face and be able to show them my passion. So, like, show them that I'm more than just a resume, Um I have you know I have dope ideas, I have dope thoughts that's going to separate me from every other applicant or anybody else you could have thought that you would have wanted for that for that role um so in short to answer your question, I think work ethic, drive and purpose um and then having having a network, having a network, and then also being able to grow my network constantly uh, and' one thing is being resourceful um I think probably. Delta taught me that, but like, even the story of how I got my job at Spotify, it was, I was on LinkedIn. I was making connections to meet at Afrotech to set up, to see like, here's everything I can do. Here's everything I can offer. What, you know, what jobs are there to get my foot in the door? Um, Cause that's also like me transitioning into tech specifically in music streaming was like getting my foot in the door. So there's still more work I have to do to get deeper into the lane that i want to be in um which is also i think too is important of another like lesson learned that i think I, that could loop into secret sauce is like being strategic about certain things so even if it's not oh i want to get to point b is my dream job but like no here are the different steps i may not be able to get there right away but what can i do to work towards that yeah. um and i think that definitely ties into my network getting out of my comfort zone. Um, and really I, it's been, I, I feel like I've been very blessed just as far as like black folks in tech of like being able to build that network and Hey, I know this person. Mm -hmm. Hey, I know that person, this person is dope. Like you should definitely connect with them. Um, and that has been a lot of my success is through, Connecting with others to either get my name out there or get me in front of the right people, and then my work ethic being able to back up any and everything that someone has said or done me a solid um for anything. What what about yeah. you?
1: I mean, sim- honestly, similar to to yours, even though we're not in the same industry, I think. Um Definitely worth ethic. Uh, I've actually been told that I probably, I mean, and everybody's like, "Oh, what's your, what's your worst, um, you know, trait?" In those interviews, and they're like, oh, "I take on too much." Um, <laughs> but I truly, I'm truly a have a problem. I truly have a problem um, with taking on a lot, just because I'm. I, I've always been a natural leader. Mm. Uh, I think it's the Aquarius in me. I've just always been somebody who's charismatic and likable, and people listen to me. Um, because I speak with authority, I speak with confidence, and I know what I'm talking about because you can't speak with authority and confidence mm-hmm. and, and people follow you blindly. Like, you actually have to know what you're talking about and get results, and I've proven that time and time again um, that my ideas have merit and that I kind of think outside the box on some issues and and can help to get teams or projects or programs to the next level um, And that way. And, and, that, and like I said, I've only... <laughs> even thought about being a planner since I graduated from undergrad which is in 2012 so I'm so technically as far as being in my field I've only been in my field I graduated from grad school in 2014 you know so yeah. like six, six years six technically years. Yeah. right and then if you count grad school then that gives me another two but I wasn't a, a practitioner right I wasn't like practicing mm-hmm. I was more so like a student um, and so for somebody my age, to be in this industry this amount of time to get to where I am is honestly extraordinary mm-hmm. um, because there's not a lot of people that could ascend to where I am, unless you're literally a white man. Me, like <laughs> Mediocrity mediocre. speaks yeah. for itself, right? Oh, That's a goodness. currency that I don't have access to. But for me to be me in the position that I am in now, to be like a senior manager for a major city at 30 with, a good solid eight years of of experience in this field is is extraordinary and so I think um, you know like tenacity and grit and you know work ethic has to do with it but then also um, I naturally am a very friendly person and I create relationships with people and genuine ones right so like a lot of my mentors that have given me either access to something or my professors giving me opportunities or people literally (laughs) i it's funny because the one of the folks that i met um like when i was in grad school i met her in the hallway (laughs) at a conference Mm -hmm. and i was like oh you're black like you're you're the keynote speaker i know you like i read her bio i knew enough stopped her in the hallway and We're great friends. Like, she's a mentor to me. Even to this day, like, when I decided to move to Chicago, I hit her up. Like, I, and this was years after I had met her at this conference cuz she works in Chicago and is based in Chicago and I was like, "Hey, I'm ready to move to Chicago." Like, and she knew me. She you know, we had built a relationship mm-hmm. over all those years. Even though I needed nothing from her for all those years, I kept in contact with her. We became friends, and then when I actually did like, "Hey, I'm ready to move," she was more than willing to introduce me to whoever she needed to and actually introduced me to one of to somebody I ended up working for. Mm-hmm. Um when i got to chicago so i've always been the type of person to especially with black women in this industry in the planning industry there's not a ton of us mm-hmm. um so whenever i see me another one i'm literally like come here girl like let's yeah. be friends like let's do this same thing even um <laughs> even when I worked at this smaller city in Los Angeles County for a few months, I do that a lot. Like I'll leave and come back. Cause I bet on myself. Cause I know leaving and come back will always make your employer want you more, but that's a whole nother uh, session that I'll charge for. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, meth black black guy in the hallway literally stopped him because he was a black man at a planning conference ended up being the senior planner at the city. I ended up working for Um And just kind of ended up being a great mentor, ended up telling me about the job opening, helping me study, like all of that. Um, And so, like, things like that, I've never been shy, even though I'm not, uh, I I will tell you, I am antisocial in my personal life. But (laughs) when it comes to my career, like, I am on it. Like, I am building relationships and not, and I want to emphasize this genuine relationships. I have genuine relationships with these people in my industry. Cause I feel like a lot of times when you're a grad student, you're literally emailing every fucking body and thinking you have to be very strategic Mm -hmm. about who you want in your circle and who you want to be your quote unquote tribe. Mm -hmm. Everybody should not, just because you're a student doesn't mean everybody, you should be listening to everybody. Like I'm studying these people and saying, oh, she's where I want to be. Oh, he's where I want to work one day oh, yeah. they're, um, they study what I wanna, or they what they do on the everyday basis is what I wanna do. So I'm strategically yeah. making these relationships and building them.
0: I will add to that not only, cause I think too for Secret Sauce and what you touched on and what's, I don't know, I can't remember if I said it, but it's important too is the, the mentor aspect of it, of like who, mm-hmm. to your point of who's in your corner, who's giving you this type of advice that you trust. So even for me, I definitely latch on to people when, again, when I rock with their work ethic. So, again, doing research and Mm -hmm. understanding their story. um, But then also how they think. Because a lot of times Mm -hmm. it's like, as a program manager, all I do every day is make decisions and have to back those decisions up. When someone asks me, why did you do this? Like, why did you choose this number? Why did you choose this metric to hit? Like, the why behind it? What's your thought? Like, constantly being... Not questions, not questioned like in a bad way, but questioned about my decisions because this is my program and I'm leading it. So Mm -hmm. it's very interesting for me or I like to understand how people think and how they make decisions. So when I see someone who, you know, they're either, you know, sitting on a panel or telling their story or even just working with them. And I see how they think, how they answer the questions, how they tackle problems. Like to me, that that's the type of thing that draws me to them um mm-hmm. and then what i think people get messed up is then when i'm drawn to them for that reason we don't really need to have like the small shit in common um because mm-hmm. then i'm not mm-hmm. really worried about can we sit and talk about um like my go-to is always at work is connecting with people through like big Ten football because we went to michigan i feel like that's always a conversation starter um mm-hmm. and i love michigan football but like as far as my career, I talk about it more to connect with you know, to connect with people. Mm-hmm. Um, but with things like that, it's like if I'm have these reasons why I want you to be a mentor or why I think you should become a sponsor, which is separate from a mentor, um, like those are the things that I'm looking for too. And I think Break down what a sponsor is for you. Yeah. So a sponsor is someone who is actually speaking your name in rooms that you are not in. They're essentially mm. putting their, mm. their name on the line to say, if I'm your sponsor, I'm saying in rooms where Nina is not privy to or not in, I'm saying bet on Nina. Like, mm-hmm. I know that she's capable of this. This is me, Dana um is saying that you know is saying this versus a mentor is just like popping out advice and you can take it or leave it usually their name is not attached to it um and you need both because at a certain point you're yeah, going to need someone need both. as Absolutely. a sponsor to get to a certain levels um and a lot of time it starts to become who you know more so than um what you know
1: sometimes yeah than what you know <laughs> like
0: especially when I was in consulting and it, the world is kind of a lot of um smaller interview for roles like i had different projects that would be a few months at a time um in length but a lot of the times my projects just came because of someone else saying they worked with me and and i was able to get shit done like in -hmm. addition to my work ethic um i'm a natural born like executor i can execute Mm -hmm. on shit i can do it the best i can do it the most efficient optimize like everything um even if i'm not like an ideas guy um Mm -hmm. And so usually that then puts it as, oh, if you need this done, go to Dana. Or Dana worked with this person so you can go and do that. Um, so that's definitely important too, I think, in the secret sauce is who's pouring into you with guidance and advice? Who are you um, emulating or taking different things from to kind of build your brand? And whether that's things you see someone doing that you would never want to do, like, oh, they, they handle that shitty as hell Mm -hmm. let me remember to never do it that way or oh they handled that with such you know poise and character let me try and aim and and do it that way too
1: yeah no that's such an important distinction of you know with mentors and sponsors and who you i mean because everybody everybody i consider in my circle or in my tribe they all know nina's trying to be her secretary and like Mm -hmm. i think early on in my career i would say that jokingly but as i get as I, I get think more you're overqualified in my for career. now. <laughs> well, absolutely. <laughs> but as I, get, I know, but as I get more into my career, I'm like, Oh, like this is something I could actually do. Like this is something that I could actually like one day, if I continue to work the way I'm working and getting the notoriety that I'm getting, um, and understanding the issues, i can eventually be hud secretary like somebody could some political candidate should, could tap nina in a and say i want you to run my playing department mm-hmm. you know i want you to run i want you to be my cabinet member um and so because and like i say that to say like the people in my life they're like okay this is a good because i always ask for advice before i ask for before i do a career move to my mm-hmm. like my inner circle Mm -hmm. they're like okay well if you do this then we'll get you primed to do that and then we'll Mm -hmm. you know and that will get you primed to go on this level and like should like literally strategically talking through these things and even if let's say it never comes to fruition i'm constantly talking to my circle about what could be though right and that mentality has gotten me here being again a senior manager of the third largest city planning department after living here for less than two years say it and that doesn't happen on accident. Like I'm mm-hmm. very strategic in that way um, and hope to continue to be. So it's like super important, again, that you have those mentors, that you have those sponsors, that you have those people that you go to advice for, and that people know where you're trying to go um, so that they can help guide you there. And anybody that laughs at what your ultimate goal is or doesn't believe it or is like, ah, I don't know, Nina, like you're never going to be HUD secretary. Right. Those are not the people that I want in my circle.
0: Yeah. I don't I don't need their advice too. Yeah. I, yeah. I think my, my mentors for me in the realm of, cause I have changed roles in companies often is probably the, the time that my mentors has been the essential for me has been understanding the art of, um, negotiating. Mm-hmm. And it was always my mentors yeah. who specifically for this have been women of like, pushing me to be more aggressive no this is how you do it this is what you say Mm -hmm. this is like what Mm -hmm. you do to like to ask for what you want ask for whatever and every time i've gotten what i've wanted and i feel like i've even now and i'm even saying this now so when we refer people back to the podcast of like especially black women because we are not paid equally right um and even I think people can get caught up because a lot of time in tech, like we make these nice salaries, but no, still, I don't care just because I'm making a nice salary, pay me what I'm worth and add some tax to. Um, Absolutely. Because even on my worst day, I'm still 10 times better than most of the people.
1: Oh yeah, we don't have the luxury of mediocrity, so we're already 10 times better than the people around us just yeah. to make it in the room.
0: Yes, yes. Yeah. So I guess to to that and we're kind of able to um look back and say the things that that worked and didn't work for us um but even now kind of getting into your career what are some of the things that you still struggle with um when Mm -hmm. it comes to how you are in the workplace or like in your career field kind of what are your overarching struggles or things that either you've had to work through or kind of get your you know step out of your comfort zone to, to have to tackle
1: yeah I, I mean clearly the conversation that I said you know kind of prompted me to be like fuck, you know because people look at Nina or you know I'm speaking about myself in third person because why not um and they're like, oh my god Nina, you're so great you're so inspirational you're you know you're doing great things like I see you're getting all this attention and you get you have these great roles but like behind the scenes, and I'm sure a lot of black women can, you know, agree It's like imposter syndrome, like just because I mean, I've worked very hard and and of course I have the things to back it up. I'm clearly not getting promoted and getting hired just off of like how cute I am. I mean, I'm cute, but you know what I'm saying? Like I ain't dropping it like it's hot. Um, But it's a a serious sense of like, fuck, like, do I deserve to be here? Like I'm extreme, like I said, I've only been in the industry so long, right? You know, like so so much time officially, like a practitioner, Um, even though I've been an urban planner technically all of my life, just based on my lived experience in the built environment. Um, And then thinking like, wow, like all these people are older than me. All these people are white. All these people have, you know, use all these big words and all of these, you know, they, when they were in, especially when I went to grad school, all of these people had graduated. They were older than me. They had these architecture degrees. They knew all these technical things. And here I am just like the black girl from Detroit whose degree was in African-American studies and women's studies. And I'm in this classroom. Sitting next to them, learning the same material, but like not having the same understanding and the same language that they did because they had different experiences than I did. and had different resources than I did um, before they decided to pursue planning. So it's always been kind of a like I, having to remind myself that I deserve to be there and mm-hmm. that I am smart, not just as smart, but better and smarter than a lot of these folks. Um, And so it's like a constant, I have to constantly remind myself. And so I, so I kind of struggle with that. And then also like the shrinking violet, where it's like, and it's funny because that conversation earlier this week reminded me, like, don't shrink yourself to make other people comfortable. And that mm-hmm. is exactly what I was doing. Because when I was in the city the first time, I was a regular old project manager. Mm-hmm. I was, de- you know, I wasn't making decisions. I was answering to people. I was doing what people told me to. I And then, you know, in that situation, I felt like my skills weren't being utilized correctly. So I left. I bet on my People told me, why would you when I left L.A., people said, why would you leave L.A.? You have a great career trajectory in L.A., And I was like, I'm leaving LA because I'm betting on myself that Mm -hmm. I can work at a different major city and still be successful. Moved across the country to work for the city of Chicago. Got to the city of Chicago and said, I'm really smart and talented. And I think that my skills are not being best utilized in this department. So I quit. (laughs) And I said, when they have a better position for me, I will come back. Eight months later, he, he, senior manager position opens assistant commissioner to the commissioner that I've admired because he was the he was the plan director in Detroit and I was like I'm gonna get that job and I did and people thought I was crazy for leaving the city the first time right I, I moved across <laughs> the country to work for the city of Chicago and decided that my skills were not being utilized um And again, i had to bet on myself and i made the right bet. Um, But, you know, it's kind of like the constant overthinking of like, am I doing the right thing? But just having to push yourself and go with your gut, I think it's something that I'm still I still, quote unquote, struggle with, but Mm -hmm. have been over time, been able to kind of lean into and become better, you know, as far as like not shrinking myself, um, and saying like, I'm, I'm amazing. Like that's okay to say. Yeah. (laughs) yeah. What about you? What would you say your biggest struggle is?
0: Um, I think similar to everything you just said, uh, but probably on, and I, I think too, this is because like, then the sector that I've entered into, um, within the tech space where it's, you know, the, the dress code is more relaxed. So I definitely feel like I, um, since moving into tech, I can wear my hair however I want to. Mm. However I want to, meaning it's quote unquote acceptable, not that I'm not met with 50 million ridiculous questions every time. You know, like I'm still definitely met with yeah. that. Um, but so like small things of like, I don't have to hide my piercings, I don't have to hide my tattoos because it's, you know, mm-hmm. it's just normal. Um and then now, since I've even shifted into a more like technical space of of tech um it's more like that, and so it's it's the push is more like, oh, you're able to bring your authentic self to work. We love um the diversity of thinkers and things like that, and it's like, yeah, you say that, but I just. I mean, I'm not a pessimist, but I'm a Capricorn, so I am very leery of like, (laughs) nah, this sounds too good to be true. You're a realist. Yeah, 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 definitely, 100% a realist. So it's like, I don't actually believe that you want 100% of my authentic self. It's you are okay with this... Branded version of Dana that I have been crafting essentially since Mm -hmm. I was in preschool going to all white schools of like here's the presentable version of myself Mm -hmm. Um, that's okay for like mass consumption Um, and so it's difficult to one to actually believe I can actually bring my full self into work Um, and then I think something that I've always struggled with or had to play the fine line with is some i've I'm a very introverted person um I've learned to be more extroverted when I need to be um or like if I'm around you know like close friends and family like sure I could be the life of the party telling the jokes doing whatever whatever but I'm still naturally an introverted person um, and I also don't I think before I open my mouth, which is very mm-hmm. different when I'm sitting in a brainstorming room and some people just automatically go to like talking and it doesn't make any sense and like that's how they process their thinking um but in a room when it's male dominated also very white male dominated Mm
1: -hmm. like that's
0: not going to work like the Mm -hmm. way i am and how i think and oh no you ask me a question i'll think on it and then say something or i speak when i have something to say not just to hear myself talk yeah um i hate people like that and and that is such like I feel like that is my world. And so again, to the point is I have to step outside of how I naturally, like I naturally don't talk over people. I naturally mm-hmm. like to sit and listen and then when I have something to say, I will say mm-hmm. it. Like I've even watched, uh, my parents sent me old videos of me when I was younger and I was too doing the same thing. Like in the <laughs> video, I'm not saying shit, but then when there's something to say, Dana's gonna open her mouth and say it. Yeah. Um, And even kind of to your your initial story um, earlier, I had one of my managers who was a woman at like my first um, my first job at Accenture. And she was like, I get that that's how you think, because as soon as you think about it and open your mouth, like 10 times out of 10, what you say is a good idea. But Mm -hmm. you're going to have to figure out a way to balance that because people will dismiss it as she's just not saying anything. Mm-hmm. Um, so even like and I appreciate her telling me that of like you don't have to change yourself but you're going to have to figure out something to be able to to balance that um, so I feel like I'm still trying to figure out what works best for me where I feel like I'm still myself um, but still not getting um, walked over or even put in the position for someone to think that they can because um, mm-hmm. even it's like I don't take notes when it comes to me if it's if i'm the only woman in something like mm-hmm. i'm very adamant about i'm not your secretary mm-hmm. um, i'm not because that constantly happened especially in undergrad when i was in a, a engineering classes one of maybe 10 women the only black person the only black woman of like yeah you can take notes in this group fuck you no i'm leading this <laughs> this program yeah. Yeah. Um, i'm leading this project because y'all are not going to get shit done like that's a whole other fucking engineering group projects um but like to that same point of it's certain things that i i won't do or i will say no because of how it looks or how it comes off um Mm -hmm. unless i'm working with you know folks who know me or i feel comfortable with um but yeah i don't that whole your full self at work and all of that is like I'm just not buying. I, I'm not buying it. <laughs> I'm, I'm not buying full self. Maybe, yeah. You know, I can not in corporate America. No, no, no. And I'm and I. It's definitely more lax. Like I can. I can curse like a sailor at work because I work with a mm. bunch of white men. So this mm-hmm. and it doesn't bother it's me. It's acceptable. At all. It's yeah. Fine. So it's yeah. like oh, okay. Yeah, I can say what the fuck like this is fucking unacceptable in yeah. and, and a meeting with leadership and that's perfectly fine and granted I do kind of talk like that in real life so kind of it's my authentic self but it's still mm-hmm. not they still not getting they're not getting idea. Dana they're getting Zana. Cool or however it <laughs>
1: it's, it's, say my, so what would you Dana. say is like um, something a lesson that you
0: would share with your younger self bet on your motherfucking self Mm. Um so much mm-hmm. of man like I just I just didn't realize how much of the shit I was already um and I feel like that put a lot of added anxiety. You mentioned overthinking like I'm also a perfectionist to the fault so everything always has to be perfect um mm-hmm. but I it's like I always thought of Let me make sure I have all these different plans. I can control everything, but I never thought like, but at the end of the day, you're you. So like bet on yourself. Versus now I'm like, yep, here's the thing, but I know no matter what, I'm going to, I'm gonna hit the mark every time because every Mm -hmm. time in the past I've hit the mark or every time I've thought I was down and out, I still was able to execute on it. Um, and, and and be okay with being uncomfortable um, mm-hmm. because that's where that's where the magic happens. I think mm-hmm. earlier in my career, I was very like, okay, this is the next step. I, and I think it's even in school, you kind of get conditioned to, okay, you want this degree. Here are the things that, here's the class you have to take to get, like, here's this checklist. Here's this laid out plan. Um, but what happens when you don't have that plan? Um, and mm-hmm. for me, that was kind of initially a struggle of, of finding out like what I wanted to do. Um, and again, not betting on myself, not just trusting me. Um, cause I'm good at a lot of things and I would confuse that with me being good at things as like, that's what I should do.
1: Mm. But that doesn't mm-hmm. necessarily work mm-hmm. because
0: I'm good at a lot of things. So it's like, yeah. You know, I was... Do what feeds your soul. Yeah, yeah. Um, and bet bet on myself. So it is something different. Like, even going into... Like, I'm moving into doing product management um, on the the front end side. Of the, like That's what I want to do. But that's not my traditional lane of what I had been, you know, doing in the past. Um, but why not? Like, even when I talk about the things that I want to do and why I want to do them and all that stuff, it's like... I don't know. Like I'm, I'm the shit. I just need to. I, I wish I would have realized that when I was like 20 or 21. Um, mm-hmm. Even though everyone around me was saying it, mm-hmm. but I was just like, oh no, y'all, like yeah. Like internalizing it is completely different. Yeah. Um. And I so mean, I, black
1: women are always again shrinking, like just, just even uncomfortable with with knowing or people telling you like, oh my god, you're so great. Or yeah. But you know, first of all, white men don't even need nobody to tell them. They no, just think it. It's inherent. <laughs> <Like, laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's inherent to them. They just think it. They're just like, Oh, I'm so awesome. And for some reason, black women are just like like, Oh, I'm okay. Like I'm not that great. Like I know I did a good thing now, but I actually will suck. Just give me time. It's like you don't have to have that mentality. Yeah. So
0: Yeah, betting on myself and being able to articulate why I'm the shit you know cuz it's like mm-hmm. i'm i'm still a very humble person but it's like you need to you need to let people know because otherwise they'll by default think that you they'll they'll attach a stereotype to you that's not beneficial to you.
1: Mm-hmm. They're going to do
0: it anyway. So you might as well like be that, be your your number one advocate um and and know your worth and and execute on that.
1: Yeah. I would say for me, as far as like lessons learned, I, I, and I agree with you, but I've, if you ask anybody that knows me, I've never had a hard time of boasting about myself. It's actually a God given Mm -hmm. talent. Um, So whether I don't, um, Whether I don't necessarily feel it on the inside, I'm always going to be like, oh, you should hire Nina because she the shit. And let me tell you, Mm. let me give you 11 reasons why. Um, (laughs) And so that's never been a hard thing for me. I think a lesson I would give to my younger self is like, don't let people get to you. I think I spent a lot of time, especially because I'm so attached to what I do based on my identity. Like, as a black woman, trying to literally undo a system, undo harm, literally, undo Mm -hmm. harm, um, which was the article that um, was the name of the article that was written about me this week. Um, I'll share the link on the Queen Tone website. (laughs) I mean, on the Queen Tone's Twitter. But anyway, um, literally undoing the harm in our communities, like, like I take that personally like mm-hmm. <laughs> insert jordan uh michael jordan meme I take right. that I took, personally I take that personally so it's like when I'm dealing with literally these white folks in these rooms and they're like Managers and their, you know, administrators, and they have so much power, and they're saying ignorant, racist shit. I yeah. take that shit personally, right? Yeah. Like so personally that it affects my health. It affects how I sleep. Like I, I will uh. be sitting at, hu- I'll be sleep and be thinking about cussing somebody out. You know, mm-hmm. what I'm saying like literally, um, it, you know. And I have learned or have tried to learn, I'm not saying I'm perfect at this to like disassociate myself from some of that because it Mm -hmm. literally takes a toll on my body. Mm -hmm. Um, I've seen it happen. Like I've, I've had my back going out and like had to be out of work for two weeks or,
0: you know, like my
1: high like I got high blood pressure or like shit like that or like eating when I'm not hungry stress eating yeah
0: I didn't lost 20 30 pounds off of stress what you been doing stressing shit stress what's your diet so yeah
1: (laughs) so I would say to my younger self like don't take that shit personal because you're not you may not be able to change them but your your purpose and your mission is always gonna be the same. So don't let them get to you. And um, yeah, something that I still struggle with, but wish that my younger self wouldn't have had to struggle with as much as she did. Um, so yeah.
0: Yeah, so what would you say um, has been um, the most uncomfortable or something that stands out to you that has happened to you in the workplace or within your career? Um, Due to the fact that you were black, that you Mm -hmm. were a woman, Mm -hmm. or that you were a A a black woman. Yeah, a combination of both.
1: Well, I have many stories. Unfortunately, <laughs> many many <laughs> stories. It's funny because I was talking to one of my coworkers. He was a white guy, and I would be telling him stories. And he was like, "Why does this shit always ha-? like?" He was literally le- like, "Why does this always happen to you?" Like I've never heard. <laughs> I was like, uh, "I cannot tell you." So there was this one time, well, multiple times where um I was at work and three different managers. And when I say managers, like at the time I was just a regular old planner, like, you know, bottom of the barrel, like baby, what I call Mm -hmm. a quote unquote baby planner. And these managers, like I had my hair braided. One time I had like box braids. The other time I had this like, Ponytail braid swoop with the red, <laughs> um, with the eco and they touched swoop. my hair. This happened three different times that a white woman at my job, at my workplace, touched my hair, and they were all managers. And I just felt so un. Every time it was just like I don't know what to do. Like I don't, don't do I say something now? Me. And again, I was a baby planner, so I was like playing the politics in my head. Like, well, if mm-hmm. I say something, I might this not get promoted. Yeah. People may think I'm angry. By the third time I was I was I was emailing folks and Cece and my boss because I was tired. Mm-hmm. But the first two times I was kinda like, I don't know what to do. Like, do I say something? It's funny because I ended up sharing it with my old director um at that city. And he was like, Oh my god. So he <laughs> apparently he went into a staff meeting and was like, Yeah, somebody touched Nina's hair. And the person who the people who did it were all like, Oh my God, somebody did that? Like, girl, it was you. Like, don't look around the room. <laughs> like it was you stop it, it um age. so yeah i would say that that's like probably one of the most uncomfortable things um oh and and i would say honorable mention to the planning director of this of the city that i mentioned earlier that was in los angeles county but wasn't the city of los angeles um telling me during my second interview before he ultimately hired me that he almost threw my resume out because i had an african-american studies degree and he didn't understand why I was applying for the job. Very uncomfortable. Very, very uncomfortable. And that's just like I have a whole I have a whole master's degree. I won at that point I had won two planning awards. And you're sitting here telling me you, you are you almost threw my resume out because of my undergraduate degree. Um, so honorable mention to that. That was very uncomfortable. But again, you know, just being a black woman in the industry, I have many, many more stories to share, but I'm saving them for my book.
0: <laughs> what about you um you know i really think so earlier when all this racial tension social injustice stuff was happening after george floyd s- similar things happened um at my high school so i went to a all girls catholic high school so it was predominantly white in the suburbs mm-hmm. of michigan um and it was all of this like people just bringing up how racist the administration students have been like across different years who had graduated. And in the midst of like all throughout social media it bringing it up, I was reminded by how much stuff I had suppressed like racist shit, um, patriarchal shit shit even at all girls school like how many things i just block out like just to keep going and until i actually sit down and think about it it's like oh yeah all these i forgot about that yep that did happen yep like so even for this question and sitting and thinking there are probably so many things i have mentally blocked out just to keep going mm-hmm. um but i think the central theme in a lot of them have been being underestimated mm. um and I think in my career that has grown that now it's like a trigger for me even if I sense that you're underestimating me. Like it's not my problem, but it's mm-hmm. also of like, I feel like, especially again, being younger. Um, so, you know, a lot of times I had to work with people who are my parents' age um, and they just completely, you know, wrote me off because I was 30 years their junior essentially telling them what to do. Mm-hmm. Um, again, being in a very Male-dominated field within tech, um, a very white-dominated, and then also the certain type of men who go into the field. I feel like it's a it's an umbrella type of personality of like they already think they're God's gift to the world because they're you they've been told they they're smarter than everyone else their whole life, yeah. and like they have horrible personalities, but they're smart. So like that should make up you know for like. Mark Zuckerberg types. Um, <laughs> the worst, <laughs> if you've ever, yeah, the literal Um So, like, that's the type of of personality and environment that I'm in. Um, but I've also had the hair things of like I used to have these when I was at Microsoft in Seattle. I would do my hair because I had to learn how to do my own hair. So I would do my hair every weekend, and I had these weekly Monday mornings. And I kid you not, the first five minutes was about Dana's hairstyle and it was like in a very (laughs) prodding way of like so now it's a different color so now it's this and like I was also new to the company um Mm -hmm. like running the meeting and still being again kind of in that that situation of trying to maneuver because everyone else there was was more senior than me and Mm -hmm. like after probably the fourth or fifth Monday I was like look my hair is going to change Every single day or every single week is going to change. Um, and someone said, like, I just think it's so odd that your hair changes every time. And I like, I think it's very it's basic so that odd. yours never yeah. changes, right? Fuck and then it was, <laughs> then basic it was ass. like, a, oh, haha, awkward. awkward. And I was like, okay, so let's continue on. Like, my hair is not a a spectacle. Mm-hmm. um But I will say, and I don't know if this is because I was black or if this is because I was woman or if this is because I was young. Um, but I had a, a white male manager who basically, he didn't like people, he didn't trust his employees, so he didn't like when people would work from home. Um, and I was having health he issues. He must love needed, COVID. Right. Um, I was having health issues where some days I would need to work remotely, mm-hmm. um, because I have a very sensitive stomach. So sometimes it was just better <laughs> for mm-hmm. me to to work mm-hmm. remotely. Um, and other managers didn't mind at all. Um, but long story short, he basically didn't believe that I was working when I was working remotely. Even though everybody that I... Like, no, nothing ever dropped. The ball never dropped. You mm-hmm. would not know whether or not I was physically present, you know, whatever. And then it's also, I work in tech. So we have the technology to effectively work. We work from home. Like COVID has been seamless as far as being able to, you know, to work remotely. Um, Turns out he was there. He then was basically telling was as I was trying to get off his team, um, told my new manager to track every single like sick day, vacation day for me because he didn't trust that I was actually <laughs> submitting in my time. And, and the new manager, so the, my new manager came in and she told me this maybe like four months in and she mm-hmm. was like, um, and not that it matters, but she was an Asian woman. But she was like, honestly, once she kind of like got his personality and she's like, mm-hmm. I'm just gonna tell you like, Will made it seem like you were a slacker. Wow. And she's like, I'm very confused because you do everything. Yeah. So what is- and He was a black man you said? no he was a white man oh he was a white man um okay. and she's but, like "I mean, that, just, that's enough for me yeah she's like I, I but don't i
1: wouldn't put it talk- by a, class, a black man just because
0: yeah. to- <laughs> my relationship like, with black men
1: in the workplace are is also very interesting
0: she was like i'm just so very confused as to why he made it seem like this when after working with you that's clearly not the case um and mm-hmm. she was like and then again like to that point of like you, I'm telling you this because you need to be cognizant that yeah. as much as people are going to um, sing your praises, there's also going to be people who do things yeah. like you know do who things like shit. this. Your back. Um, yeah, so you have to be cognizant of it. And she was like, and know going forward that that's how he op- you know like that's how he operates. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I, w- I would say that's that's probably one that stood out, and it was a lot with him. It was like. That's yeah. That's part of the reason why I dipped Mm -hmm. out of Microsoft. But um, yeah, it's a lot of small. It's the microaggressions too. I think Um, the small everyday things where it's like, really, we're we're going to we're we're going to go there. I had someone um, in a meeting basically dismiss COVID numbers, and then when I said, "You realize this is just this is when it first happened," so a lot of folks that I knew in Detroit were passing away due from COVID. And then he basically said, like, I was like, well, you know, the numbers are disproportionately affecting uh, poor black and brown people. He's like, yeah, but he basically said, like, yeah, that's just a part of the game. (laughs)
1: because for and i'm I'm sure he meant that wholeheartedly because for a lot of white people it literally is oh those are the casualties and we don't give a fuck that's why that's why this country why do you think this country is not taking covid seriously because it's not affecting white people so they're like oh we're good
0: Healthcare is on our side we don't have these pre-existing conditions so we're getting uh, ventilators it's the audacity for me because we're sitting in this meeting. Yeah. I'm people are talking candidly. I'm telling you I'm from Detroit. You can see the fucking mirror so you or the yeah. video. So you see yeah. that I'm black. And I'm telling you that black people from Detroit are dying. And it's just like, oh, well, you know, that's you just charge to the game and keep on going. It's like Fuck you. I had a few people after that I mean, like, Drew I'm bleach. so sorry that he would say, yeah, that he would say some things like that, but like yeah, it's it's a million examples like that. Um I think I've just learned to brush them off and keep going. Um oh, and yeah. also finding finding the moments of like when to say something mm-hmm. um and versus when to keep on going. Because you can't we'll exhaust ourselves if you try to tackle every single small thing. Oh yeah, that comes you gotta your pick way. your battles. Yeah, and I think it's the picking battles. And for me, honestly I've been more of a been loud about disrespect or discrimination when it's like younger black people who don't who don't know what to do Mm -hmm. um so that also like happened at Microsoft again with hair um and it was like I was more if it would have happened to me I would have just brushed it off and said whatever but because it was someone else and it was like they were fresh out of college and didn't know what to do, and it's like mm-hmm. that stress of like, yeah, am I gonna lose do my I job? Like, something?
1: yeah, right? no, what, do I I what do I say? What do I do?
0: Yeah, and I remember that feeling, and it's like, no, 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 we going you know, so it's almost Let's like figure a, this out. Yeah, we'll, we'll, yeah, we gonna do something because like it's almost like because I didn't have anyone like that around right. to you say wanna what make do I the do? next black girl's experience easier. Exactly, exactly, um, and so that's kind of then where my still like you lowercase a, but like the activist aspect comes out mm-hmm. when it's somebody else. And that's yeah. part of my personality too. I yeah. usually become a lot more protective when it's somebody oh, else yeah. as opposed to myself.
1: Absolutely. It's like, you can fuck with me, that's fine. I can take it, but what you're not gonna do is fuck with this young girl yeah. or this young boy or whatever. Um, and just to close out this, micro, this microaggression conversation The reason I was talking about black men <laughs> I made that comment about black men Because I feel like I don't know if it's just my luck or what But I feel like Some of the black men That I have as colleagues Have always been super microaggression-y towards me Like I remember when I became a certified planner and I was in a meeting uh, with other black planners and I was like, oh yeah, you know, my name changed, you know, like that's the one I'm proud about. Cause you know, um, I like the whole marriage, you know, I'm not changing my name yeah. marriage. Um, and he's like, oh, that's not really a name change. Like bitch, you don't even, you don't even take tests." Was you this the hater? Oh, this was the hater with the test, and then he took it but didn't Girl, pass or something. I don't know if he. I don't know if he took this test. I mean, it's a whole bunch. Of, it, it's a whole bunch of situations, but <laughs> there was that, and then like when I got promoted and they didn't get promoted, it was kind of like, well, who interviewed you? Oh, they like you, so that's why you got. That's why you oh, got yeah. promoted. So like those types of microaggressions, like nigga, I've been helping you out, and you yeah. saying this shit to me um I remember my first day my first week or so of a job in Chicago and I was meeting with an alderman first of all he kept talking about my nails you know I love to get my nails done so my nails stay done pretty Mm. much oh your nails are so nice okay great like all right like it, it, it was to a point where it was like awkward where it's like why are you talking about my nails in this meeting where that has nothing like we're in this meeting full of people and you're talking about my nails. And then Stop saying something to the effect some saying something to the effect of like I was saying, Oh, I was introducing myself. I came from the city of Los Angeles, blah, blah, blah. Oh yeah, well, now that you work here, you'll be able to run any small city that you want to. Literally he said small city that you want to. Bitch, I came from what? Los Angeles. <laughs> A bigger city with more cases Now not to say clearly I sought out Chicago but don't try to play me like I'ma be The village manager of Bummafuck USA like don't come For me so it's just like those Type of microaggressions from even Black men but that's the whole other episode In itself so we're just gonna move all (laughs) right Along (laughs) to our tone check For the week which is Ice Cube Um yay 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 he needs to get the Fuck away (laughs) (laughs) So if y'all have not been paying attention, Ice Cube has become, apparently, oh, and you know, at Teen Vogue put out this really great article about how black elites are um, taking away from the actual message of what normal black people mm-hmm. want from, from our politicians. We'll we'll retweet the Look. link on our Twitter. But I thought it was a 20, fantastic 2020 article.
0: 2020 has made me hate celebrities. Like <laughs> No,
1: for real. Because everybody thinks they're year. a fucking... Yes. So anyway, so Ice Cube, you know, he put out this platinum plan for or no he he put out some type was his plan called the platinum plan or was that trump's plan i think I that think was trump's, trump's plan. plan
0: is platinum plan. but
1: he put out these these this list of things that he wanted from the black community for the black community he said he sent it to the democrats and he sent it to the republicans and the republicans used some of, in their two-page report mind you it's a two-page report of uh, bullet some points memo. that they used his and it was and uh, when people were like Ice Cube Why the fuck would you work With the Republicans Like why would you Like let them call up your name He was like well I sent it to both parties And the Democrats Didn't respond So last week Ice Cube Was on um, Claudia Jordan's show It's called Cocktails with Queens With Queens It's on Fox Soul And they were asking him So like what happened Just asking a background story And go ahead what? Mind you
0: with the show um, Is for black women
1: right it's Claudia Jordan Vivica Fox Lisa Ray and
0: Selena Johnson yes and so their core audience is black women <laughs> I feel like millennial and gen x black women yeah absolutely so okay now proceed
1: Which your story. <laughs> so they're asking him like okay so you said the democrats didn't reach out but Kamala Harris said that she organized a meeting with you and some other folks Killer Mike was one of them you know some other folks in this political arena um like rap people who are in rap and also consider yeah. themselves to be some type of political leaders which I don't see how that actually works um and he didn't go. He didn't show up. And so they're asking him like, oh, I thought you said the Democrats didn't respond to you. And he's like, well, you know, I didn't want to go to this meeting with everybody else. I wanted my own meeting with Kamala Harris. And, sh- and she said she would call me and she didn't call me. So I didn't go to this meeting. And therefore, they did not respond to my call for this agenda for black America.
0: And And Claudia (laughs) Jordan was like, you do realize she's the vice presidential candidate. Like,
1: What was she supposed to do? She just giving people one-on-one calls, like just rappers from the 90s, um, just one-on-one calls just because they put together a PowerPoint
0: presentation. No It's like You can tell he's never Had to schedule a meeting With someone Who's Like I would never Shit yeah, I can't I get I would on never, calendar Right <laughs> Like a- it, It'd be It'd be a 30 minute slot <laughs> Right Five weeks out And it will be <laughs> That's random. It'd be a 5 o'clock On a Friday But that's your slot And that's when you gotta talk <laughs> oh, And literally. it's another person Who also splitting it, So you really only got 15 minutes Literally Like why does he think he's trying to get a from uh From Kamala's sister uh, Let me holler like, at you Like he
1: felt like Kamala was supposed FaceTimed To go me. Out of her way, and have this one-on-me, one-on-one meeting with him. Someone who does not have the credentials like she's going. Not saying, and I don't want it to make it say like there aren't celebrities who do their due diligence and are intelligent and can talk about an issue or pass the mic. You know, Mm -hmm. I think people, celebrities, should really be using their platforms to elevate the voices of people who are doing this work every single day. Who have been doing
0: it, who understand the ins and outs
1: of it. You're mad because Kamala Harris. A U.S. senator slash uh, vice presidential candidate who the election is this week did not have a one on one meeting with you when you have no credentials as to why this is why this is uh, your thing or even have a background. Up until basically maybe a few months ago, I had never heard of Ice Cube in this political arena at all.
0: He was someone with police brutality in the early 90s. Um, oh yeah me I mean Cohen.
1: yeah but like, but like
0: That, that was a, a, a very specific to, to, From my understanding or
1: from and may, and if, if you know more If somebody out there knows more than me This is something that as far as like he's talking About withholding our votes and you know right. Black people and you know that Bullshit has only been in the last couple months And so Unless you've been dealing with like literal police reforms since the '90s, or have been around, or like are have aligned yourself with other political leaders, I lived in Los Angeles for seven years. I've never seen him do a photo op with a South, you know, a South Central uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Council person. <laughs> like I knew the celebrities who were down with uh, Council Member Harris Dawson, or down with uh, Council Member Price in South Central, or down with council, uh, Councilman Councilman Weston. I actually know these people. In seven years that I lived in Los Angeles, I never seen Ice Cube engage with any of these folks.
0: I also am like, has any of these celebrities sent out, have you gotten surveys or anything of like your input on anything? I just don't want out of touch, wealthy, Exactly. Black entertainers who are very much so within capitalism and to a point are very disconnected with the everyday working person. Um, it's almost like they're frozen in time as to, you know, right. pre when they right. didn't have money and right. like, oh, this is what we needed. This is whatever. But like, don't speak for me. Um, mm-hmm. Another thing with the cocktails with Queens was, so again, the, the the show is all black women hosting and then the target audience is black women. And they asked um, Ice Cube, which is the question I always ask when, a black man is leading anything for the liberation of all black people. Is like, what's the focus with black women? Mm-hmm. And his response was like, oh, why y'all asking me that? Like, right. <laughs> that's this the type just, of nigga that'd be like audience, You're trying like, to
1: separate the black community by asking about what we're gonna do about patriarchy no, you... in the black community or what we're gonna do about our our homophobic, <laughs> transphobic, um, anything that's not cishetphobic rhetoric yes. in the black community. And it's like if we're not all liberated, you can keep it. If your plan is not for all of us,
0: keep that shit. In the in the pegs of like racism, patriarchy, and capitalism, I feel like and there's a certain type of black man who thinks that, oh, we can just re- remove the racism and then mm-hmm. everything will be all right. Everything will be all right for you. For because you, then you nigga. will be a man right. who will still. And if I've had multiple head aching conversations with this of like black women are not trying to divide the race by saying, don't forget about us, think about us. Like, and most of the time, the things that are important to black women still benefit Black people as a whole. Oh, um, absolutely. Even if you think of, even if you think of the birth rate and mortality of Black women giving birth, is that we giving birth to y'all ashy babies? Like it's it's right. an issue for all of us. But if you're not considering it or thinking about it, as most men usually don't, um, then that just leaves room for things that will not benefit me as a Black woman. Exactly. Like you're um,
1: going to get your liberation and close the door on
0: the rest of us. Yes. So yeah, not interested. yeah. And- when the oppressed become the oppressor and I feel like that. Not, you know, again, I think it goes without saying of not all I'm not gonna say not all black men after everything, but like it's assumed not all black men, but it's some um, and it's usually those who be trying to leave some shit and who <sighs> So here's... It's so, all of them. So in this
1: article by Teen Vogue, and then we'll end it here because this is probably a whole nother episode, but I just want to share this <laughs> with the readers. So th- and they quote this Ice Cube plan. And this the plan is called Black Americans' Responsibility. And this is a quote from it. As we begin to gain social and economic equity, it is our duty to clean up ourselves and our community. This <laughs> This contract is a two-way street. As we gain social and economic equity, uh, Equity or equality—they didn't even say equity. Uh, we must—we must begin to dissolve any bitterness in our hearts for past wrongs. We must become better citizens who are more productive on all levels in American society. We really must step up after we pass the contract with Black America with no more excuses excuses left in in the kitty. So. Basically, his plan is steeped nothing. in black, respo- re- black res- respectability politics, saying that, oh, not only do we want equi- uh, equality from you or equity from you, we will take it upon ourselves to clean ourselves up and become more respectable so that we are somehow um, worthy of this equity. and it's just like i'm not i'm not (laughs) interested i'm not even that quote i'm not interested in anything that you put your name to and just because you're a rapper who's a millionaire or a billionaire does not mean you represent the interests of all black americans and i would really like you to just be quiet because that is free pass the mic and, and just yeah like you're you're not it and I'm not into black capitalist like black billionaires this whole mythology about how black capi- how capitalism in the black community is going to save us this is re- capitalism no. is, is not going to save us whether it's black white or other yeah nah, so that's the tone check yeah. for the week. Thanks for listening to us. Hopefully you've already voted. Um, by the time you hear this episode, we'll have a president and or a civil war. Um, or both. <laughs> or both. And or, you know what I'm saying? So maybe I hope the, you voted. Maybe the
0: zombies. Maybe the zombies will have dropped when this episode dropped. Who knows? Who
1: knows? <laughs> right. I know, right? Either the zombies yeah, we'll or the see. aliens. I'm not sure which which chapter um, or what... Season.
0: This episode was produced by us and edited by Daner Cole. Our theme music is the track Same by Ricky Ells. Be sure to check it out on all streaming platforms. For questions, comments, feedback, or topic suggestions, hit us up at queentonepod at gmail.com. Be sure to also check us out and follow on Instagram and Twitter at queentonepod. Thanks for listening.